than ever. Um, we're having problems with Blog Talk Radio. My Skype will not dial in. My, well, it will dial in, but then it won't take any kind of input to let me log on. So we play Blog Talk Roulette once again, and I thought Mercury Retrograde was out of the shadow today. Oh, well. This is the Right Reverend John St. Germain welcoming you once again to Crystal Silence League Hour, Episode 116, Those Astral Powers, Those Wacky Astral Powers. We're talking about them once again. So why don't you return in just a minute, and we shall discuss them, among other things. Talk to you soon. Come back. See you in a minute. And we're back, and I hope everyone is having a good week. It's only Tuesday. Uh, how bad could it be? But um, anyway, I hope everything's going well for everyone. Um, it's going well, pretty well here. And I'm going to ask you, uh, those of you who are of such a mind, to keep in your prayers. Uh, all those who are going through hard times right now, this is a very difficult time for everybody. And everyone is trying to get by as best they can. So be a little extra kind to people if you can. This morning I noticed everybody was honking and blowing and flipping each other off in traffic. So tension is very high. Tempers are on short fuses. And a little extra kindness, I think, can go a long way. For those of you who don't know, this is the Crystal Silence League. And the Crystal Silence League was founded around 1917 or so by uh, Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of distributing positive prayer and affirmation for those in need of this sort of stuff. And um, he distributed this prayer, projected it via the agency of crystal balls. Members of the league got a little crystal ball, and uh, they got instructions on how to use it in the four branches of crystal amancy. And we do have literature of that nature uh, for sale in our gift shop. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you can get uh, literature and crystals, and uh, some of that literature was written by our founder, Mr. Conlon, and some of that literature was written by me, Reverend John St. Germain. We have a book called Crystal Magic, uh, Divination, Healing, and Spellwork Using Gems and uh, uh, Gemstones and Crystals, which uh, I highly recommend. Having written it myself, I highly recommend it. And uh, we also have a couple of books by uh, Mr. Conlon I also highly recommend. If you get these three books, It'll do quite well. I'm also currently writing a sequel to that book on lithomancy, which is divination and spell work with uh, crystals and stones and coins. So um, by all means, uh, pick these books up if you can and and read them and study them, along with the other fine works uh, published by Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. Um, 
tonight our crystal, by the way, is uh, a very interesting one. Um, we, uh, we're, we're talking about imperial gold quartz, and I don't know if you've ever heard of this or even seen it, um, but it is quartz that through uh, tremendous pressure and heat has a layer of other minerals uh, infused upon it in a coating almost that gives it a golden hue. And uh, imperial gold quartz, the word about it really is strength and power. It emboldens and empowers and strengthens, and um, it resonates, uh, depending on its hue, uh, it will resonate with the sacral chakra, the spleen chakra, uh, the heart chakra, and joins these chakras uh, and fuses them together where the sum is greater than the whole. So you're talking about uh, assertiveness, the ability to love fearlessly, um, the ability to uh, interact with other people, to follow your dream, to follow your goals, to plan, and um, follow them through. Uh, there's a ton of, ton of uh, attributes assigned these uh, these three chakras. They um, boldness in communication, it helps you if you're a speaker, if you're an artist, if you deal with other people uh, in business. Uh, gold is the majestic color. It helps you uh, rule. It helps you uh, be self-sufficient to follow your, uh, your, your head. So it's very interesting uh, stone, very interesting crystal, and uh, it's not that common. Um, I've not seen many people work with it. I really haven't. It's not that well known. There, there's many different types. These are, by the way, called. Sometimes it's called the uh, the gold aura quartz. There's a number of uh, aura quartzes. There's uh, aqua aura, gold aura, rose aura quartz. Um, a number of quartzes. And remember, quartz can be programmed. You can give it instructions. It can take on the attributes of other crystals. So you can program gold quartz for specific purposes in leadership, in power, uh, in spellcraft, etc. Um, and uh, quartz is very good at transmuting energy, at storing energy, and um, um, uh, transporting energy, and changing energy from one form to another, and storing energy. So it's a, it, this is a, a crystal you should get and add to your toolkit if you can. Uh, any of the aqua quartzes, any any quartz of any sort, you should have an array of them in your crystal toolkit. They're inexpensive, relatively inexpensive, and very versatile. To make your uh, elixir, you drop it in the water, uh, allow it to uh, marinate, um, to stew um, in the sun or in the moon, depending on its purpose, and then add a few drops of brandy, and you can use it for whatever purpose you want. You can uh, anoint the chakras with it. You can sprinkle it about your residence. Uh, you can uh, drink it as a tonic. The uh, uses of uh, elixirs are well covered in the crystal literature. You can also draw diagrams with it, by the way. Uh, you can take a piece of parchment and draw a, a diagram if you have a uh, like a tree of life or a, uh, a sacred geometry that you want to uh, lay your crystals out in. You can trace it with crystal elixir, did you know that? Like it's ink. Take a brush or your finger and trace it or put dots of it 
on your uh, diagram before you put your crystals on it, you can certainly do that. And uh, we'll, we'll cover some of that in a, in a future book, too. I have so many books I want to write, but that's our uh, Crystal Week, Imperial Gold Quartz or Gold Aura Quartz. And if you have any questions, of course, you can always um, write us, email us. And we do have a call-in number for guests, 657-383-0525. If you want to call, talk about any of this, tell us your experiences, just do that. Call that number. You pop up here, press 1. I'll put you on the air. You get to be a radio star for your five minutes of fame. Now, in October, we're going to talk about the preternatural, the supernatural, the occult, ghost stories. If you have ghost stories, save them up. All four episodes of October will be dealing with those things that go bump in the night. And we may have a special guest or two uh, to tell, talk to us about these things. I'm going to try to. Um, and we may conduct some on-air experiments, perhaps. But save up your ghost stories. Call us in. Tell us these things that have happened to you, your personal experiences. I'll tell you plenty of mine. I have plenty of them. And um, maybe we will have a guest or two to come in to uh, join us and talk to us about ghost hunting and communication with spirits, etc. But I'd like to hear your stories. I'd love for you to call in and share your tales with us. If, if we need to, we'll make it a two-hour show if it so uh, warrants during October. Halloween spookiness uh, during the month of October, which is coming right up. One of my favorite months. Yes, the 19th. We'll have uh, a couple weeks. We're going to have October coming up. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see lots of prayers posted there. And we get about 200 a week. And the pastors in Crystal Silence League will print these out and we put them on our altars. And we have prayer ceremonies for these. Many of us do this daily. I do it about three or four times a week. I can't do it every day. And um, I used to, but I, I just, I have too many, my private practice. Um, if I if I were um, available 24 hours a day and seven days a week, I would stay busy. And uh, it would be completely blocked. And uh I have a family, you know, I have a wife, and my three-year-old granddaughter lives with us, and they need me too. And uh, I hate to say it, you know, to all of you who uh, uh, think the you're the center of the universe, well, Copernicus has called, and he said, you're not. Uh, my family comes first. So um, you just have to understand that. They do come first, but we do have the Crystal Silence League, and if you are utterly desperate um, for intervention or you utterly need – I shouldn't use the word desperate. If you utterly need intervention and you want hundreds of people to pray for you, www.crystalsilencing.org, post a prayer, and we will all pray for you. And we pray like our heads are on fire too, man. We are good prayers. One thing we do know how to do is pray. And I read some of these aloud every week. Well, every week that I'm here, some weeks I'm not here. Like last week, we had thunderstorms. The tail end of Irene came blasting up through uh, this part of the country, and it just shut us down. We had no power. We had no Internet. We had no phones. We had nothing. We were living in the Stone Age, which drives some people crazy. Some people, they can't get on the Internet, and they can't Facebook and tweet and Twitter and Instagram and stuff. They go crazy. I just got a book out and read it. Because, you know, I have battery-powered lights here and uh, candlelight. And I just, we just got out books and read it to each other, which is something I recommended at one time. 
that families spend time and friends spend time reading books to each other, which is what we used to do back in the days before radio and TV. Yes, I am that old. As a matter of fact, I am St. Germain. I am that old. So let's go to our prayer page, and I'm going to read some prayers aloud. And anonymity is always preserved in the Crystal Silence League. I just read aloud by prayer ID number, so if you'll pray along with me, even with your crystal balls, if you have them and know how to use them, we'll read aloud the following prayers. And uh, so let's uh, start with prayer ID number 65410, who prays, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, my Savior and only Savior, my King and only King, I pray that you guide and direct the steps of Mr. B, who I went to school with 20 years ago, Please heal any emotional and physical pain. Draw him closer to you and love him as you do all your other children. See him through any storms he may be enduring at the present time and help him come out stronger and wiser. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you and amen. We have prayer ID 65409. Who prays, remove all, remove curse off my money and curse off of me to have a stable place to live. I'm homeless. And prayer request is removal to curse as all my money and have me stable place to live. Amen. Prayer ID 65406. He says, I would like to marry S quickly before the end of the year. Thank you. Help me, God. Amen. Short and sweet and to the point. Marry this man. Prayer ID 65405. Dear God, please lead me by your Holy Spirit to see any areas of immaturity in my life and the life of my future husband that need to be resolved. Help me and him find the help we need to overcome any such issues. And then please give us wisdom and direction in finding each other a healthy and mature life partner. Furthermore, teach us to always pray for the right prayers, ones that are based on truth and reality and are in harmony with your will. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Amen. Prayer ID 65404. Please pray for my situation. I've been a single mother for a very long time. My husband left me and my four kids when they were very little. My parents died at a young age. I have no one. Please pray that I come into some kind of money to keep my house and finally retire. Pray that I'm in good health and pray that I have my children and friends that always want to be with me. May God our Savior always be with you. Amen. And pray ID 65403. Pray that my wife's company will pass their audit this week and her job will be secure for the future until she chooses a different position. Amen. And pray ID 65402. Lord, please allow my mom and I to get better. Allow the stuff I need to get my stuff for school, to bring my GPA up, and to give me the second wind I need for school, for F to stop taking it out on us and the animals, to find homes for the cats that need a home, to get ahead and stay ahead, amen. Prayer ID 65401, I pray M is constantly filled with an intense desire to be B's boyfriend and tells B this now. I pray M takes action now to make B his and the M and B are fully together as partners before the end of October 2017. Amen. 
I uh, truncated that a little bit because it was very long, but said pretty much the same thing. Prayer ID 65400, open Ed's heart to loving me so that he feels happy, safe, and sure about my being his one true love. Open the floodgates and no more him to me. Amen. You don't see that word, in no more, very much. And I love to see that. Make that be so. Amen. Prayer ID 65399. We need money for rents and bills. I need a job at a good place making great dollars. My husband needs steady work, too. He needs consistent work. Extending court issues easily for myself and my husband's. We need more time. No issues with that or anything else legally. All turning in our favor. God, please, comfort for my family and our grief, my niece's soul, needing her to come through to me. We're having a hard time with this. She passed 7 17, 17. She was my little girl. She was only 23. The baby she left behind. Amen. Prayer ID 65398. Please help my car pass inspection without repairs. Amen. Prayer ID 65397. Dear Lord, for my nearly 20 years on this earth, I've never truly been happy. My home life stunted me in many ways, and I'm facing the consequences of that now that I've reached young adulthood. I suffer from depression and anxiety. I met someone that I thought would be with me for a long time, but he left as mysteriously as he came. I want to be happy. I want to be loved. I want my love back. I want to succeed in school. I want the curse on me to be destroyed before it destroys me. Amen. Priority 65395. I pray the man I'm supposed to love and the man that's supposed to be in my life will come into my life and stay. I pray God brings him to me and me to him. I pray I meet him today and I find peace with love. I know there is a plan for me and I'm open to all that God has planned for me. It will be great and exceed my expectations. My husband will be awesome, caring, and patient, protective, and he will love me and my sons just as much as I love him. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen, it will come. Let's just have a couple more. Prayer ID 65394. I pray that Jay forgive me. Come back to my loving arms. Amen. Prayer ID 65392, please make CMJ get out of my husband's life. Please protect our family from any harm. Thank you. And prayer ID 65391, please pray that KJ in Tennessee, mother of PL and KL, assists with is granted and gets approval for off time to pick up her family from New York and return to their home as soon as possible. Amen. And let's have us a moment of silent meditation and prayer for all those in need of comfort and support and assurance.
Amen. All right, our topic tonight is, um, as you know, if you read the synopsis, we're talking about the astral powers, and in uh, previous weeks we have discussed um, psychomancy. We've discussed how there are five astral senses, just as there are five physical senses, and we've discussed uh, various topics um, uh, such as uh, clairvoyance, and we discussed the difference between telepathy and clairvoyance, telepathy being a physical sense, a strictly physical sense of the brain. Um, Telepathic mind reading is a phenomena, a phenomenon of the brain. It's a physical sense, and anyone can learn it. Um, Clairvoyance uh, can be an astral sense, which has nothing to do with the physical body. It has to do with the astral body and operates on the astral channels. These are much more subtle channels and can be much more effective. Um, We talked about, and we're about to get into great detail, psychometry, which is an astral sense, even though often the channel of influence is um, through the um, physical uh, body because you will touch an object and get a psychic impression from it. This is probably the most familiar form of psychic uh, skill uh, known to the public because of certain television, many television shows will see that. The, uh, the psychic will handle a murder weapon or an object belonging to a uh, kidnapped victim and get a psychic impression of where the person is, they'll say, oh, the murderer is holed up in a pickup truck that's surrounded by beer cans uh, outside a warehouse, you know, or the the kidnapped person, I'm seeing a sign that says uh, Louie's Pizza Parlor and a neon beer joint sign. They're held in a room near that, and uh, that's psychometry because the object maintains a bit of the psychic energy from the astral body that produces an aura. Uh, we also talked about the astral tube, and um, which is a channel of communication where you you open a a, uh, a conduit uh, through the astral plane, whereby you can observe people and objects from a distance, which is not the same as astral travel, where the astral body actually leaves the physical body and goes on a journey and checks things out, uh, more or less in astral person. Um, there are a lot of people who claim that they astral travel, and uh, they don't. You know, they uh, they imagine they do. And I used to have a I used to have a friend that called that half astral travel, <laughs> which is really funny when you think about it. He said they're half astral travelers, and uh, uh, I, I know if uh, if everybody who told me they astral they uh, spontaneously astral planed, they call it. I'm, I'm spontaneously astral planing. They say actually did. Man, the ether, the ether, the ether plane would be more crowded than Grand Central Station. Um, it takes a lot of training and practice to be able to do this. Uh, and uh, you know, holy crap, um, man! You know, if you look in the old literature, yogis train all their life to be able to leave their body, and it's a, it's sometimes a side effect of uh, being very skilled at meditative absorption. You just find yourself going popping out of your body and 
you ask a guru, you say, well, what was that about? And the guru says, don't worry about it. It's a distraction from the real goal of enlightenment. Just if it happens again, just get back in your body and get back to work. Because when you think about it, it's a fairly useless skill. Uh, okay, so you can go somewhere and look at something and come back. You know, you can get in your car and do the same thing. Um, you know, it's like I have a, uh, I have a, uh, a small clairvoyant. I call it a stupid psychic trick. You can you can make a drawing in my presence. You don't have to show it to me, but you can draw something, and I can usually tell you what you drew. So what? It's very impressive just to most people. I used to demonstrate it. I'd say, make a drawing, put it in an envelope, and then I would draw something, turn it around, and it's what you drew. People, oh, my God, that's amazing. Well, you know what? It's easier for me to just go over and look at it with my eyes because it takes a lot of effort to do that. It's very difficult. It takes a lot of effort, and it's exhausting. And people say, well, you know, it's amazing, though. It's, it's you know, a psychic thing, but it, it, it's easier to just walk over and look at what you drew with my eyes because my visual sense works a lot better than that astral uh, uh, clairvoyance. So unless you're really getting something you can't normally get, uh, many of these abilities, while they're fascinating and while a uh, hint at a greater level of existence than most of us experience, they're not that practical. However, some of them are. And taken to a certain level, they are. And, you know, it's like everybody wants to be a spirit medium, but in my experience, most spirits don't have a whole lot to say that's that enlightening. You, you can sit and waste an entire day talking to spirits like you take waste an entire day talking to people on Facebook. They don't have a lot to say. And it's not that interesting to me. And, uh, you know, it used to scare people that I could apparently tell them what they're thinking. I said, do you go around reading people's minds? I don't know. Most people are really boring. You know, most people's mo most intimate secrets involve that they stole something at work or, you know, they uh, they cheated on their spouse or, you know, they go, oh, my God, I hope nobody ever finds this out. Very few people have very, very any interesting things to say at all. And if you sit in my chair, you know, as a psychic reader, as a spiritual counselor, you've heard it all. And you've heard some pretty bizarre confessions. You know, which I don't tell anyone about. And so, you know, your average person, though, they think, oh, I hope no one ever finds out about this. You know, find out about what? That you, uh, you know, you and the boss at work made out at the party. You know, most people, you know, my darkest secrets, my the, my darkest secrets, man, as sinners go, I'm, I'm pretty mediocre. I'm pretty mediocre. Um, I'll tell you a story about that. When I was studying to be a monk, a Buddhist monk, there was a, a bhikkhu, a Buddhist monk, who took an interest in me. His name was Bhikkhu Ananda, and uh, we called him Bhikkhu Andy. And when you think about Buddhist monks, you know, you think about these serene old guys that look like Master Poe. Uh, no, Bhikkhu Andy used to be a homeless guy. He was a street alcoholic, and he had about two teeth in his head, and he had found Buddhism about 20 years before I met him. And he, he looked like an old street guy. You know, he grizzled and beat up, and one eye looked off in one direction because he got his ass beat so much. And he had two yellow teeth in his head. Um, and, you know, he looked like an old alcoholic, but he was an excellent Buddhist monk, an excellent monk. You know, once he found Buddhism, he went into it full heart, and he was very hardcore. 
and he said things that you would not think a Buddhist monk would say. I mean, he used profanity. And you go, oh my God, a Buddhist monk wouldn't talk like that. Yeah, he would. You know, you find these naive Buddhists online. You know, they go, oh, a Buddhist monk wouldn't say, oh, yes, yes, he would. And I remember when I was a younger man, and I, I was seriously going to study. I studied for two years. I was going to take the vows, take the robe, shave my head. Well, I shaved my head anyway, but and uh, I was I was all angsty, you know, and beating myself up. And I said uh, one time, I said uh, I said, uh, venerable venerable Andy, I I just feel burdened with guilt and I, I think I need to perform some dramatic act of redemption and I'll feel better you know some giant act of redemption and you know he looked at me with you know one eye one other eye was spinning off somewhere in the distance he was seeing through time or something and uh, he said he said Johnny you're as full of shit as a Christmas goose that's one of those things you know people say uh Buddhist monk wouldn't say, but uh, you're as full of shit as a Christmas goose. And uh, he said, uh, "Where are the bodies buried, son?" He goes, "Show me, show me the gallons of blood that are on your hand." And uh, you know, he made me laugh because he was he was funny. And he said, uh, "So, how many people have you killed?" I said, "I've never killed anybody." He said, uh, "He said, um, he said, so you know, what have you done? You know, have you made some promises and you broke them?" He said, "You know, have you?" lied to people to get what you wanted from them and he said you've maybe stolen something here and there and he said what i said a, a little bit some of that yeah he said what's the worst thing you've ever done and you know i told him and he said and exactly what i told you he said well you know sinners go son he said you're an amateur and you know he told me some gruesome stuff he had done uh, you know on streets and stuff and um, when he was an alcoholic, and and I said, do you feel bad about any of that? He said, feeling bad about stuff you did in the past won't do you a bit of good. Um, so I um I just re I remembered that um, that you know sinners go. Most of us are amateurs, and this whole idea of uh, kicking yourself, you know, remorse, redemption. Um, these are manipulative tools used to keep most of us under control. And um, so one of the things I didn't know about Bikku Andy, though, was that he, he could astral travel. He he could go and check on you. And uh, he could astral travel. He could read your mind. He knew your, he knew your mind. And when you talk about mind reading in a sense, it's not like you could think, you know, think of a number from 1 to 10. Oh, you're thinking of 6. In this sense, they know your mind. They know you. They can get inside your mind and know what kind of person you are, whether you're good or bad, of good character, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And that is useful information, ladies and gentlemen, useful information. So during astral travel, um, there's a difference between the astral tube and astral travel. And uh, they're both useful tools. Um, they both have their limitations. They both have their dangers in that you can become addicted to them um, and lose sight of your real life. So you, in order to perform any of these, though, you have to have a, an object, a focal object, just like you do in meditation. You have to have an object of meditation. And so you... You have to have 
a center. Now, it doesn't do, you know, how are you going to go from here to there without a destination? Um, so with psychometry, you've got a focal object. You've got a ring. You've got an item of clothing or something that you're holding on to. With other forms of psychomancy, you can use a glass or a crystal ball or any kind of other similar polished reflective surface, a scrying mirror, and do what is known as crystal gazing. So let's look at, for example, psychometry. So this astral skill known as psychometry, which is um, a very, very useful uh, skill, um, it is a method or a gateway into other forms of astral skills. Um, the psychometrist gets into rapport with a distant scene or a distant person uh, uh, um, by attuning his vibrations with that of the person whose object he is touching. So, for instance, if I wanted to do a distant reading on you, I might have a ring or something, an item of clothing, a hair, or something by you. And now you start to see how magic might work. You know, you might send me a hair or somebody, and I use this to make a doll, and it creates a psychometric sympathy with that person. Uh, a photograph will often capture some of that energy. If you send me a photograph of someone, I might psychometrize it and get a vibration, a sympathetic vibration of that person. So psychometry is often a method that is employed to activate or bring into sympathetic vibration the other astral skills, such as clairvoyance or spirit communication. It opens up communication. It opens up the channels, the psychomantic channels. Now, it's sort of... Um, uh, like with memory, the case of memory, um, like if you see some object, that it, might, it might conjure up like just like that. You go, oh, that reminds me of my dad. You know, you might see a pipe or something. You go, that's exactly like my dad. All of a sudden, this floodgate of memories comes uh, out that you may not have thought about in years about your father, how he smoked the pipe, how... Uh, you went to the park with your father, all these other memories that one thing happened. It can happen the other way, too. You know, you see a liquor bottle, you go, oh, you know, a floodgate of bad memories associated with the liquor bottle in your family. So um, the same thing with a psychometrist. Uh, he, he holds the ring, the item of clothing, et cetera, and a floodgate of sensation comes up that associates him with that distant, him or her, to that distant person or even place because if you have um, – something from a distant place, you know, like a, a piece of wood um, or uh, item of furniture, uh, something from a house even, you can connect to that house or a scene uh, to the house. So this it makes an association. So basically, it has been known for ages that there is a psychic connection that exists forever between things that were once associated Anytime any two objects are closely associated, no matter how far apart they become, they are closely they're forever associated. It's kind of like an occult version of Bell's theorem, the phase entanglement in quantum physics. If you split a particle into two and put them in opposite directions, it's, they can travel apart at the speed of light. They will still be entangled. What you do to one will affect the other. There's an occult version of that. 
any two objects that are brought together for any length of time are forever dissociated. So when you attach to the psychic current surrounding any object, you can trace it or follow it back until you reach that associated object that you're looking for on the astral plane. Now, later we're going to be looking into something called the Akashic Records. And, um, um, and when we do that, um, basically in the Akashic Records, all information that has ever been, and some say that ever will be, is recorded. It's a giant memory bank. And it's the consciousness, basically, the, the sum of all consciousnesses. Um, so if you have a good starting point, you can travel back until you find uh, any piece of information you desire. There's some people very good at this. Now, again, a lot of people claim to read the, the Akashic Records. And uh, I, I've met, in, in my lifetime, I've met a handful of people who can, a handful. And, and hundreds of people who, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, may think they are. But they're babbling. A lot of them are babbling nonsense. And some of them, uh, it's, I call it the shotgun theory, the shotgun method. They throw a lot of information out, and some of it hits. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you're reading all that in the Akashic Records, then my, my, file, my file has a lot of bad information in it. You know, some of that applies to me, but a lot of it, you know, I need to go clean up my credit score. <laughs> I need, can I call one of those people that cleans up my Akashic credit score? Because uh, some of that's not me. Uh, so uh, in the same way, these associate objects furnishes us with a, a ready means of starting the astral tube. So if you want to really, you know, you can go out there and seek forever trying to find somebody with your astral tube. But if you have an object that belongs to them, uh, you can be like a hound dog. You can say, okay, I've got your object. I'm going to find you. Boom. And you can find them with your astral tube. Same thing with astral projection. You can try, You can sniff them out. So... This is why it's, uh, you know, that's the secret of getting the lock of hair, a little bit of clothing, the piece of, uh, uh, if you're a, uh, like a dowser, the little piece of metal or mineral, um, you smell psychometrists. Now, um, how is it possible? You know, sometimes you think, man, in this bewildering, um, vast uh, sea of information, how can you find one particular piece of information or etc. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, as a matter of fact, the uh, the untrained uh, psychic or psychomancer usually can't without a very special link uh, to put him or her in rapport with uh, the subject required. Uh, and psychometry is a good way to do that. Uh, it's quite probable, I'll tell you, that um, ordinary memory that we use it's probably very similar to that. Um, it's said that memories are not recalled, but they're recreated. And that's why our memories are faulty. And I think the same thing can apply to our psychic memory, our psychic skills, that we sometimes uh, fill in blanks, that we get a true impression. Um, but instead of it being A to B to C to D, sometimes it's A to E to G to X, and we we fill in the blanks. Um, so 
the, the more training you get, the more instead of going from A to E, you go A to C to E. And then you might eventually get A, B, C, D, uh, but it's very tough. Um, so it seems like there's a magnetic attachment or affinity between every particle of matter and the record which contains its history. So if I give you my ring, that ring contains a history of the entire time it's spent with me. So can you access all that? In theory. In theory. You can certainly get a whole lot of very strong uh, emotional imprints from it, major emotional imprints. And then what you, how you interpret those imprints can help you diagnose things. You may get very strong imprints of grief, uh, joy, and the flavor of those uh, you interpret. This is how psychometry works for me. You know, I'll get that ring and I'll say, okay, recently there, there was a great loss. You know, recently there was a great loss. Something, a shocking event um, occurred. And this is how uh, spirit readings um, um, work, work for me too. Uh, you know, my my spirit will my spirits will go out and make a psychometric. You know, people say, "Well, I I know." See, I have friends that they can't even imagine doing telephone readings. They just can't even imagine doing it. I do I do five to ten phone readings a day, and I say, "Well, you make a spiritual connection. It's a psychometric thing." And uh, and I say, "What you usually get with that uh, through your oracle is a psychometric." Vibe, you know, people say, "Well, can you give me a name? Can you give me a date? Can you give me a phone number?" Can you? And I say, "Well, not like this. I can't, but I can tell you that this event happened, and this event is likely to happen." And um, but you know, I, I'm not, I can't tell you that you know you're going to meet a guy named Phil with green eyes and a scar under his cheek. I said, if you were here across from me, I could give you much more accurate information. But you know, we've got a spiritual connection across 1,700 miles, and uh, but I can I can tell you that uh, you know this that you know that this event occurred. And by the way, you're pregnant. You may not know it, but you're pregnant. <laughs> so, you know, this is the sort of information I can give you from 1,700 miles away, and that's pretty damn good, actually. Uh, uh, lots of times, people. Uh, uh, in chat room, uh, it's, uh, we have someone who says even Jesus said he can't tell you the time, and that's true. And you know, you know what I tell people sometimes? They say, you know, can you tell me if uh, Grandma's going to die tomorrow? And I say, you know, uh, matters of life and death are uh, in the hands of God. And I said, my name's John, not Jehovah. Um, you, know, you know, if it were, this would be. Um, <laughs> I'd say, you know. Kiss my ring. My name's John, not Jehovah. This would—I used to say this would be a church, not my house. But now I actually have a church, so I can't use that line anymore. Usually, you're sitting in my church. So uh, let's stop for station identification, and we'll be right back in a minute. is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendall's Corner with Kendall Kandisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7, 
The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Now that I broached the topic of spirits, I'll, I'll tell you um, some of the things to deal with like this. I had a woman call me once, and uh, and I, I, I sometimes I'll just say, you know, what's on your mind, and let them tell me. But uh, this woman called me, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm having a lot of problems. And uh, I said, well, let me look at this. I said, well, I'm going to tell you this. I said, you recently angered a woman. I believe uh, I can tell you a lot about this one. I said, I can tell you she's Hispanic, and I'll tell you that you angered her and that she threw on you. You know you're you're under severely cross conditions because she threw on you, and then I paused because at this point, you know your job is to verify it. Your job is to say, you know, you're right. Yeah, uh, I did have a disagreement with a woman at work. She is Hispanic, and I do believe she. But what this woman said was, "Is that all you can do? Is that is that the kind of reading you give? Is that all you can do?" At which point, my spirits. Mainly my grandmother, who doesn't take any crap from anybody, crossed her arms, turned her back, and walked away, which just left me. I'm just a guy now. I'm just a guy with a deck of cards. I have nothing. And I said, well, what do you want? She goes, well, I want names. I want places. I want an address. I want dates. And I said, well, I want to tell you what would have happened if you hadn't insulted my grandmother and ran her out of the building. Um, what would have happened is I said, did did what I tell is what I she said well yeah I knew that I knew I made this woman mad and I knew I said okay but you see I didn't know that because you didn't tell me she said oh and I said so what would have happened would be that you say yes that's right uh, this woman at work et cetera et cetera and then I would have went further and said um, what we need to do now and I said I would have said this happened when you got into this argument with her. You probably went too far uh, with it, escalated the matter, and she, you know, now you understand now, you see what kind of person this woman was, right? You see, unpleasant, in other words. And uh, so, and I said, and then we would have talked about how to, well, can we do this? I said, no, I can't do anything now. I said, my spirits are gone, and I can't do it. Well, can you? I said, no, there's no apologizing to my grandmother once you make her mad. She's a mean old country woman. Nope. What I'm going to do is refund your money. You can find someone else. And I said, but I'm going to give you some advice. The next reader, work with them. Don't set up this antagonistic thing where you're trying to test them or something. And I said, because frankly, none of us are interested in that. And uh, she started to apologize and stuff. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I understand, but don't do that. But you see, this is the sort of thing that happens sometimes. And um, um, I could have given her names. I could have given her dates. I could have given her places if she had given me a chance. You see, if I'd given her a chance. But I, you know, the spirits don't work for me. I work for them. And if they leave, I'm, I'm just a guy. You know, I'm, I'm just this regular old dumbass. Like you might, you might as well just ask the bus driver. So. 
you, you make a compromise in this work. And, um, I mean, I can give you my opinion. My opinion is probably more sensible than the bus drivers, but uh, who's, who probably voted for Donald Trump. But, um, you know, unless you approach this work with respect, you're going to get in trouble. Um, so we're talking about psychometry, and psychometry is, uh, I'll tell you, it's not a, not a hard skill to develop. Uh, really, all you have to do is work with some friends, um, and um, I'll tell you that uh, one of the things you can practice with is have your friends who've been to, uh, who've traveled, and they have uh, souvenirs from different places. You know, say they've been to um, England, or they've been to Ireland, or they've been to um, places like this, and they brought back souvenirs. Like maybe uh, I have friends that collect rocks from different places. Maybe they've um, brought back sample, you know, shells or something. Ask them to help you with this. You know, pick it up, get impressions, and try to describe where they found it, and get them to judge you how accurate your description is. I mean, this is real world test. This ain't, uh, you know, just jumping in there and trying to um, make stuff up. Pick it up. See if you get you say okay. What I'm getting is this, and don't I don't I don't know. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. It's best if you just relax. You know, don't don't say okay. I'm real, you know, people say I'm trying to concentrate. Well, concentration is a physical thing. This is more of a thing where you open yourself. You open a door. You relax. You open. You empty yourself of expectation, and you let the impressions come. And if you do this, if you open yourself, the impressions will come. And some people are very good at this, and some people really have to work at it. But I truly believe most people can get something. And I used to sit in on a circle of people who were practicing psychometry, and some people got it immediately. And some people, they, man, I, I don't think you could get an impression if you hit them with a hammer. Because I think they were trying too hard. And... Um, um, and um, I, I had a, uh, I wanted to just see what happened one time. I, I have a, uh, a finger I made a pendulum out of, and I'm going to tell you that I made this finger. I made this finger. I took a piece. I took some plaster, stuck my finger in it. It was. You can look at this as a. That's my finger. Put my finger in it. Poured concrete in it, and made a cast on my finger. And I made a pendulum out of it. And it, it's very eerie and creepy looking. And uh, I used it as a pendulum for a long time, and I used it when I was doing psychic fairs. And I thought, you know, there's a bunch of people here who, as um, um, as uh, Beaker Annie would say, we're as full of shit as a Christmas goose. And I said, I think I'm going to go by, go around and just see if anybody can tell me where this finger came from. And so I say, hey, I, f I said, uh, I found this. Can you tell me anything about it? And uh, I got some good stories. This one said, "Oh, did you find this in a graveyard?" And uh, I said, uh, "You know, you know, may maybe, yeah." Uh, and uh, and she said, "Well, this this broke off of a statue of an angel that was over the grave of a dead child, and the dead child died of um, tuberculosis so long ago, and that that child is now she, you know, she's right over your shoulder, and she's a spirit." And I said, "Oh, that's a beautiful story. How wonderful!" And this other woman said, "Well, you know this." This seems like it came off the statue of a brave soldier, and uh, 
where did you find it? And I said, well, I found it. You know, it, it's like in a store, you know, like a rummage sale, like a yard sale, you know, like a thrift store. I, was, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. And I said, well, I think it, it broke off as, as a war memorial, and it's got the powerful energy of the soldier who statue and I got all these different stories, and the graveyard story is the most popular. You know, it's like the spirit of an angel that was imbued it. It was a statue of the archangel Gabriel and a family grave. And the one said, oh, I bet you got this in New Orleans in one of the graveyards. And uh, and uh, I just nodded, you know, real excited. And she goes, it's got the, the spirit of Marie Laveau and, and all this. And it was my finger. And and um, then there was this uh, little redheaded psychic who became she was a friend of mine eventually we became friends and uh, she looked at it and she looked at me she said let me see your hand and and she matched it up to my forefinger and uh, and uh, and uh, we both started laughing and uh, and I said she is a psychometrist and uh, and um, she 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 felt that she just held it in her hand for a minute. She let me see your hand, and she held it to my finger, and she she knew it was my finger. And I said, I said, damn, at, at six psychics, and she was the one that actually could do it. And so, I, I'm not saying any of these psychics were deliberately um, uh, fakes or anything, but they they were not psychometrists, and you know their information was not was not was not on a good channel. So what we're going to do is um, talk about um, some of the methods of psychometry. And a lot of times, um, a lot of times, um, well, we got more people in chat than I've seen in a long time. I'm, I need to take a day off more often. Man, we've got a full house now. Um, so... Uh, We've got about three minutes, so I just want to give you, and we'll, we'll pick up with this next time, the five methods of psychometry. Um, you can locate a person by means of an article. This is a very common method used by psychic detectives. Um, you can locate the person, but you can also uh, describe the person. You can profile a person just by a piece of hair, uh, article of clothing, an object that's come in contact with them. Um, I'll tell you that a very good way to do psychometry is through money. If a person has carried money. Uh, like a dollar bill with them, uh, you can take the dollar bill and do a reading, crumple it in your hand and do a reading from it. We place a great deal of emotional importance with money. Um, the second is describing a person's characteristics um, with an object, their past life even, through uh, touching an object that came in contact with them. Um, Describing things that might happen to them in the future by accessing uh, their Akashic records um, because of this um, uh, connection. Describing a, 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 distance, a distance scene by means of a bit of a mineral or plant that was once located there. Uh, this is a, like a sympathetic magic sort of thing. Uh, describing underground characteristics by minerals. There are people who find gold and silver this way. And getting into touch with the past history of an object or its surroundings by means of the object itself, like a bullet from a battlefield or a piece of a building that has been destroyed or burnt down, uh, some ancient pottery, uh, the people who made the pottery, etc. So all these phases, uh, you see the operation of psychometry at work. So 
next week we'll pick up here and uh, just figure out how to do all this stuff and learn how to do it. And I uh, hope you practice it. Um, I believe In the Streets of Beverly Smith is coming up next. I think we have a show this week. Um, I didn't hear otherwise. Um, so remember, in October, we're going to do ghost stories. I want to hear your ghost stories and eerie events that have occurred to you. I want to try to procure us a special guest from one of these uh, shows to talk to us about spirit communication and other things. And, um, you know, everybody be safe. Everybody be safe and take care, and we'll go out with some music, and we'll see you next week. Adios.